Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. What's up, Show Your Scars? I am bringing you guys a new podcast today, and I'm excited about the guest because he and I have a lot of things in common from soccer to U.S. soccer to our passion in ACL rehab. So Shiraz Chaprabordi is a physical therapist, and he is currently doing a fellowship with Movement Performance Institute in California, but he has been a PT for a long time, an athletic trainer and a physical therapist. He works to help people get back from injuries and a lot of people back from ACL injuries. This conversation, we go over a lot of things that he's passionate about, about how we have some commonalities in how we think about this rehab and I'm just excited to share it with you guys. We talk about what part of the process really interests him the most and he feels like maybe sometimes is overlooked. We go into the question about how you determine what a physical therapy, how you determine what physical therapy place is best for you with one question that can really help you when you're asking and searching around for different PTs. And we talk about this idea of ACL risk reduction or injury prevention. It's a really great chat, and I think you guys will enjoy it. So here he is, Shiraz Chepperbordi. Shiraz, so good to see you. Nice to officially meet you. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm excited to have you. I think we have a lot of random things in common. Uh, it's definitely in the soccer world, definitely U.S. soccer things, and um, I'm I'm excited to hear more about you and really how you got into this physical therapy world and what you're you're planning on doing in it because i'm sure you're trying to make some some splashes right (laughs) for sure yeah um feel like i've done a lot of educational stuff to get me there but i'm a little late to the uh like the social media standpoint yeah so just trying to trying Uh, to yeah get my name out there but more importantly just trying to get the help to people that need it i think that's the main point of all of this, right? Even the social aspect. I try my best on social media to provide the people that come to the ACL club with people like you who are looking to really improve this post operation, post ACL reconstruction, what's happening after that, right? The rehabilitation. So I want to start out with how you got into PT. Was sports a big part of your life growing up? And why did you choose to go into physical therapy? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, sports was a big part of my life. I was played a lot of different sports, but soccer was my main one. Um, I, funny enough, it, it started with an ACL injury. So I got an ACL injury when I was in high school. Um, and my coach at the time was also a physical therapist. Um, he was a, he was actually also a physical therapist for us soccer. Oh wow! Um, so it's kind of like all, yeah, it's all these <gasps> cool connections. So yeah. I, I worked with him on my first ACL rehab, um, and I just, I love the environment of the PT room, the way he ran things. Um, it was very unique. It was a unique PT clinic. It wasn't like typical ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like my PTs who were there kind of really got me into like the PT and the athletic training world. They both had their athletic training degrees. So um, they kind of pushed me in the direction to pursue athletic training and physical therapy. 
I, you see that so much and it's really interesting, especially at a young, I don't know how old you were when you tore your ACL. I was 16. 16. Yeah. So I, you, you see that a lot. It really is a shift, right? When you get injured of, of this perspective that, that we have, right. And we can take it one way or the other. And I think it opens us up to this idea of like empathy and thinking about other people because those physical therapist, that coach that you talked about in that PT clinic really showed you what it was like to be cared for. And I think, you know, for me, I know when I went through my rehabs, I would, my, especially my first one, I was like, maybe I could be a physical therapist. Maybe that's something I want to do too, because it is a really nice thing to help people achieve uh, getting back to what they love to do. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I would say that they, they were an amazing experience. They were the first PT clinic I ever stepped into. But then I'd been to other PT clinics, whether just minor injuries or doing my shadowing, rotations. And I realized that not all clinics were built the same. So it gave mm. me a much bigger appreciation for what they did for me and like the confidence they instilled in me. And it right. made me realize that this is what needs to be out there for more people. And not every place people go to is like this. Yeah. So was it right away? Did you continue to pursue? Did you get back from your injury and continue to pursue soccer? Or did you then shift and say, okay, maybe soccer isn't the path. Maybe it's really going into PT. Was it pretty much? Yeah, no, right I'd away? say that uh, my, my passion to play was, didn't change at all. Right. right. It was like, and I, and I continued to play um, through high school with club soccer, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once um, I got into college, it was much more of a, like I said, I, I was an okay player. I wasn't spectacular. And, um, you know, the, the schools I was going to were good soccer schools. I wasn't yeah. going to play there. So, but I played club ball there. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, continued to play. I was always on, on teams all the way through, maybe, you know, you're talking a couple years ago. Um, right. Yeah. And now I just play pickup, whatever. But no, it was, I'd oh, say that, that my, my focus <laughs> picked, uh, definitely picked up more like halfway through college on making sure I'm focusing on like my athletic training, my physical therapy, mm-hmm. uh, passion um, yeah. and stuff to go there. So you have a unique background too, because you had mentioned to me, you're an athletic trainer and a physical therapist, right? right. Did you pursue right. athletic training first and then physical therapy or was that kind of hand in hand? Did they, you learn them together? Uh, no, yeah. So actually when I went to college, I just went in as like an exercise science major. Okay. Um, and then I realized, Oh, I didn't even realize my school had an athletic training program. Um, so I checked in with my PT slash now mentors. Um, and they're like, Hey, you should absolutely go for it. Um, it actually added another year onto my, my undergrad, uh, experience, but, uh, but it was absolutely worth it. Um, right. Yeah. So actually it was something I came onto a little bit late. But then once I added it on, it was you know, just became part of that. Yeah. It yeah. seems to me just knowing what I know about you already is that the pursuit of continuing to learn and get better and self-improvement is something that, you know, seems like even now when you're telling that story is something that kind of was with you all along. Do you feel like For that's sure. one of your greatest attributes? I, I would say yes. Uh, but even sometimes almost to a fault, right? <laughs> it's, it's something that's... <laughs> There's times I just get so, uh, maybe sometimes I'd say impatient. Like I'm almost like, I, I need to find something new to learn, something to do, which is great, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I get antsy because of it sometimes. Right. So yeah. how'd you get from where, you know, where you were there to adding that extra year on to where you are now? What's the journey been like? Have you felt like um, it's kind of really taken you all over the US and even sometimes all over the world? Heck yeah, yeah. I mean, originally I started out like, so I'm originally from Delaware. Um, and that's oh, where wow. I went to University of Delaware. Little um, teeny. Exactly. So that's where I, that's where I started. Um, okay. 
and then um, I went to, you know, it was going to applying to PT school. I was applying to a lot of different places, but uh, it kind of came down to University of Delaware, which is an excellent program, and, right. uh, and USC, uh, which is another great program. Um, and my decision, frankly, actually didn't come down to the physical therapy programs themselves. It came down more to the fact that I'd been born and raised in Delaware, and I knew oh. that if I did not leave now, I may never. Yeah. Um, so I said, all right, hey, let's make the leap. So that's actually was my was one of my major decisions to go to USC was just to fly the coop and, you know, get out of my comfort zone. Um, Such a big thing, too. And I think taking that jump out of our comfort zones can provide us with such a great um, realization of what is really out there. Right. And what we can accomplish. And so um, have you been in California since then? Is that now? Yeah. Has that now yeah. Been um, I mean, I was making a, th- a thought after I graduated, I may want to move back, but yeah. uh, like, uh, you know, my, my wife, she was in my PT program. Uh, yeah. Um, so we, we, you know, we obviously we stayed together, got married yeah. um, and we just stayed out here ever since. California sucks you in, doesn't it? It's hard to it's hard to you're leave right you once you're the here. Beach. You know? you're yeah, just it's, re- like... it's really difficult. You know, the rough the worst day we had was a uh, you know like two hours of rain, sixty five <laughs> degrees. So you know it's uh, right. Yeah, if that's as bad as it gets, you know it's hard to leave that. Yeah, during your time in the last you know handful of years, you've had the opportunity to like your mentor work for us soccer and work with mm-hmm. a number of teams there. What's, how'd you get that opportunity first off? And what was that, what's that experience been like? How rewarding has it been for your overall physical therapy knowledge and experience? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so how I got into it, um, it was after I graduated physical therapy school. Um, I just reached out to my mentors. I said, Hey, I'd love an opportunity to, get involved somehow. So to be frank, it was, I had, I had help. There's no doubt. Yeah. I had help to get into it. Um, we always do. Right. And yeah, if, if we don't use our network of people, then I think we're not really giving ourselves a fair chance. Right. And 100%. even, even if you don't know the person reaching out to them, like we didn't know each other and now exactly. look at, you know, we, we just have this ability to connect. So exactly. I think that was exactly. a smart move. So anyway, yeah, sorry. For sure. yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, what he did, he gave me, uh, an email of one of the coordinators for us soccer who handled the medical side of, of things. Um, and he just gave me an email, right? Um, I, I'm sure they must've talked along the way, but I reached out to him. Um, didn't get a response. Um, I reached out again. Uh, they said, Hey, we're not really looking for anybody right now, but, but you know, like, thanks for reaching out. Um, I remember I reached back and said, Hey, they said, there's no, you know, that there's nothing right now. He said, did he say, no, we don't want you. He said, no, he didn't say that. He's like, just keep going, keep going. until you get a hard no, until you get a hard no, um, keep pushing. And so, yeah, it went on for, I'd say probably about a year, just like on and off sending emails, seeing what's going on. And then there was an opportunity. It was with the U15 girls national team. Uh, someone had dropped out. They needed someone to fill in. And so, I, you know, he reached out and he said, hey, we had someone drop out. Any way you could come in? And I said, oh, yeah, I can come in. Yeah. yeah. So, I, uh, so I took the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, worked a couple camps after that. Um, I then pursued my, my sports residency. So I took some time off away from doing any of the traveling. But then once okay. I finished, I got back into the groove of, of working with the national teams, primarily on the girls' side. Um, yeah. And then I had an opportunity um, to, I got called into the, the men's national team camp. Uh, my previous mentor had been brought back in and he asked me to join him. Um, so I spent two years, two and a half years, 
uh, traveling around with the men's national team during that period. Um, it was, all of it was just an amazing experience. It was, you, you see, get, you see things done at the highest level. You see this level of competitiveness and focus that you, you really appreciate. It's like from these 15 year old girls who were just spectacular right. soccer players. Right. And then even with the men's national team where you, you know, I hadn't really had much experience seeing people play soccer and being around them as their profession. Right. I see it as their passion, but then when you see mm -hmm. it as their profession, it is, a, it's a, it's a little different environment and the level of focus and things like that, not only from them, but from the medical staff and, and the support staff, it's, it, it, it was definitely an amazing experience just to learn from that environment. Yeah. That makes me think about just the span of athletes that you've encountered over your time as a physical therapist. And uh, you've probably helped rehab and re, you know, get people back from a variety of different injuries. Mm -hmm. Would you say that they're, you know, male or female, old or young, would you say that there's, um, what's maybe the hardest part of injuries, right? Do you feel like it is the physical part? Or if you're working with these high level athletes, is it really helping them as well on the mental side to how to recover through this? Yeah, actually it's great you brought that up. I think particularly with an ACL injury, because for example, ankle sprain, like it's standard ankle sprain, you're talking one to four weeks right. of rehab, right? It's, it's a process where they could see an endpoint. They're seeing the results too. They feel themselves getting better, getting stronger pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, ACL, you know, when done correctly, should be a nine-month-plus process. But nine months is a long time mm. for a 15-year-old girl to stay focused on, like, just rehab and improving themselves. I mean, that's a the, – the amount of, like, mental toll that takes on you is pretty, pretty immense. Um, yeah. And I think that is probably one of the most important things I've had to learn along the way. You know, you, in PT school, you, you're talked to about – the mental aspect of things but as you get going in your prof in the profession you realize that you really need to be like somewhat of a counselor you need to have a like a psychobiosocial understanding of how how things function how to talk to people how to motivate how to back off sometimes um mm. but no i'm with you i think that the mental aspect particularly with these long-term injuries is yeah. crucial and if you don't understand that and can't empathize with that it's very difficult, um, not only for you, but for the athlete to really make mm -hmm. the, make the progress they need to. And it's, for me, it's just like a great equalizer, right? It's the same. It's hard, hard on a 15 year old. Like it is hard on a, a men's national team player, of right? Course, of course, yeah. you know, different, different pressures, maybe internally and externally, mm -hmm. but this it's still the same, you know, it's hard for us as humans without an injury to think like, well, who am I going to be in nine months? Right? Like, what am exactly. I going to, what am I going to be doing in nine months? Let alone like when you're working on it every single day and some days you feel great and you feel like you're progressing and some days you don't. And sure. it really sucks when you don't. Right. And mm -hmm. how to ride those waves. I feel like physical therapists, uh, you know, th they are so much more than just that. You know, mm -hmm. do you feel like that area of, your practice has been maybe in general the place that you've grown the most is just being able to manage people in this yeah. mental process i think it's the where i've grown the most and frankly i think it's the place where i continue to grow and, and that and that it's a steep growth uh climb that i'm making with that you know it's i think from the the skills aspect the clinical aspect 
I either I, I know what I'm doing or I know where I can go to go. get that information very, uh-huh. relatively easily. But that understanding of just kind of human nature, human behavior, and how to respond to that, how to motivate. Um, right. There's sometimes I think, all right, cool, I got this. And then there's times <laughs> like, man, what am I doing? You know, it's you think you get it, and then you have a patient that comes in that just challenges you in a different mm-hmm. way, and you're always like, man, okay, I got a lot to learn still. Yeah. So that's one of the, I think it leads me into something that I feel passionate about too is, and and you hinted at it earlier with just knowing what you knew about the PT clinic that you grew up working at versus other clinics that you had a chance to look at when you were going through your, your PT program. What, What do you feel like PT clinics maybe sometimes lack or physical therapists lack in uh, their process, let's say specific to ACLs, right? Because sure. that, that's a lot of what I deal with. And I know that you're very uh, in tune with that as well. So um, what, do, what do you feel like is lacking in the process or in physical therapy? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, let's start with kind of like what, what most BT clinics are good at, right? Which cool. is yeah. the initial phase of rehab, getting range of motion back, calming down yeah. the knee, getting the quad back. I think Across the board, you can say majority of outpatient PT clinics do a really good job. Right. And then I think a lot of PT clinics really love getting to hopping, jumping, agility, sports-specific stuff. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to have people do that. You know, you can film that. It looks cool. Um, <laughs> you know, but I think the most important phase, and to be frank, it's, it's, the, it's the biggest grind. Sometimes it's, it's not anything fancy. It's that... 12 to 16 week process of Mm. just building strength foundational strength conditioning and i think that's where you see a lot of pt clinics lack whether it's because they're just so busy they see too many patients maybe the facility doesn't have the equipment needed to do it or just you know even from just a personal standpoint maybe a lot of pts don't get that natural strength conditioning education unless they pursue it on their own um, so I think that's probably the most important and sometimes the phase that lacks the most. in. Yeah. Is that your, then is that your favorite phase to focus on and really dig yeah, into? It, it's my favorite. Not because it's, I mean, it's not, to be frank, sometimes it's just boring, you know, sometimes right. it's like, all right, you're, you're, it's, it's, but it is the most important phase. Okay. And I think that's when, when you start to see people have re-injuries or they don't feel hundred percent or they're not you know, they start to have trouble down the road with pain, swelling, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you can really go back and see that they never really got their strength back to where it is, or they're right. continuing to favor one side. Um, and I think a lot of that is addressed during that just foundational strength conditioning phase that, yeah. uh, to be frank, you know, I, I work at a clinic or at a lab where we see a lot of people get tested. Um, and frankly, a lot of our clients and patients are people who have not done well at other clinics. And I'd say the majority of the time, it's the biggest issue is just you weren't pushing hard enough. You weren't doing enough strength conditioning, right? You're, you're ready to do agility and ladder work, but you can't even do a single leg squat. You know, right. it's, 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 it's that type of stuff. So I think that's where people lack. Okay. Take me into that phase and some of the things that you really focus on in order for you, for you to feel like that phase was successful and people can move to the next phase. And and I want to say this with a grain of salt, right? It's going to be different for every person. And I think that's one of the things we have to continue to reiterate is nobody's journey is going to be the exact same. There will be similarities, but we can't compare what we're going through to somebody else. So hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so the number one thing with this phase is, um, I'm, and I'm going to put this first because I think this is the most important. Yeah. 
you need to have objective measures okay. when you're when you're pursuing anything, right? If you leave it up to subjectivity, that's where errors can be made. Okay. So uh, one of the things we do at a, uh, the lab I work at is Movement Performance Institute. Um, we're very objectively measured based, right? So someone comes in, we do a movement screen, a movement test with them, um, you know, running, cutting, hopping, um, different types of things like that. But then we take them through strength tests. So we see what their quad strength looks like. We see what their glute strength looks like. Um, and we compare that to age appropriate norms, weight related norms. Um, okay. So what we do is say, hey, look, you're deficient in this ACL by 25% or, you know, whatever, 15% mm-hmm. or you have this glute deficiency, right? No wonder why you have trouble loading that leg, right? Yeah. So then what we'll do, six to eight week process of just foundational strength conditioning, right? And then the way we determine if we're making progress, we test, okay. right? And it's as simple as that. Hey, guess what? We make great progress. Um, we can, and it's not me. You can see the numbers. Um, and then once we hit these certain norms, that, that's when we determine the next step, right? Yeah. And that phase can go quickly if people are doing their work or, you know, if, you know, the knee's happy, everything's fine. Uh, sometimes it can go a long time, but we make it a point that that phase is the most important. We need to achieve normative values for mm-hmm. quad strength, hip strength, things like that, uh, running symmetry before we take that next step. One of the things you said, six to eight weeks, why is that kind of a good range there? Uh, so we use that range to test uh, mainly because, you know, anything less than like four weeks or less, uh, it's, 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 we call it like a neural adaptation phase. Um, basically, it's your body's just trying to figure out how to use muscles right yeah eight weeks is and even that is like it's still not a that's not a long phase right that's not a long process eight weeks is the near the minimal it takes to actually start to create physical muscular changes i love that because i don't think i've gotten that information out of anybody and i think it's really important for people to understand that right Mm -hmm, absolutely you can you can you, it takes a while to make those changes in your body. And a lot of people want to go by a certain, you know, I want to get back by this date. Well, mm-hmm. physiologically, your body is not maybe built for that, right? You Absolutely. might be pushing and saying six months is really does not give your body the time it needs to properly heal as no matter how hard you work. Exactly. No matter exactly. how hard you work. And I think that's a very hard thing for an athlete to understand, right? Yeah. But especially when you see the examples, like you, know, you see the Adrian Petersons, you see you know, these yes. high-level athletes, like the thing that, it, that gets touted with their recovery is not, man, look how hard they work, but man, they got back in seven months, six months, nine months. And that's the timeline. The timeline is what's pushed in media, social media, things like that. I mean, right. heck, we've had doctors, I've heard doctors who, I've had a patient who basically told me they chose a doctor because the doctor told them, we'll get you back in less than six months. That's what my All first right. doctor told me. And, and that's and terrifying. It is terrifying. It is terrifying because it ruined my career. Yeah. I mean, that's, un- that's really unfortunate, you know, yeah. and, and, but, and, you know, and that, and maybe at that time, like you said, I was, I don't, well, you don't, don't know any fashion. better. Maybe that's the case. Right. But now if you hear that, I mean, yeah. that's, that's negligent. Huge part of why I started this, right? I wanted people to be, feel empowered to make their own decision. You know, I was at school and I was told this is your doctor and I didn't know, like, I really didn't know I could choose someone different. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And you can, 
You always Absolutely. have a choice. It's yeah. maybe not going to be the easiest choice. It maybe is financially not going to be the easiest choice, but I had a choice and I didn't feel like I did. And I don't ever want anybody to feel that way again. And it's a big reason too, why I talk to people uh, like you who are looking at physical therapy in a different way, because I want people to then have the resources to say, okay, I'm looking for a PT like this, like you were just mm -hmm. talking about. What do I go, when I'm searching and going and calling PTs before I go in for my surgery and before I get into physical therapy, what do I need to ask them about their rehabilitation process that can really tune me into like, this is the right one for me. They're really, they're really focused on that strength uh, period sure. that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, and you know what, and I think, it's, it's, it's kind of hard um, to really just pinpoint one thing. Yeah. But the number one question I'd say I'd ask if I was like, so uh, I learned that, so I had a second ACL injury, just FYI. You I don't did. think I'd share okay. that with you. Yeah. No. And that happened, yeah. In P, that happened in PT school. Um, and so that was Weird. helpful because, yeah, I know. Um, but that second ACL injury, um, you know, I, I, learned a, I learned a lot more. A lot of the rehab really sunk in a little differently, mm -hmm. right? Because I was relating to a little closer. But during that time, I realized one of the big questions uh, that should be asked by any patient when you're going into that process is, how do you determine if and when I'm ready to return to running or return to my sport? Yeah. And I think that it's, it's a short question, but it's pretty loaded. Yeah. But I think that is a great way to kind of determine the thought process of the, of the PT or of the facility. And the number one thing that you should hear is hopefully they're saying we use objective measures. We're mm -hmm. using research. Um, yeah, well, whatever it is, we have a, yeah. we have we have strength testing measures. We have like research backed uh, testing procedures that help us determine this. That's got to be that has to be part of any uh, PT's ex our patient's experience going into PT. Um, right. And I'll say just one more thing to that is that not every clinic is going to be able to be set up with all the equipment needed to test and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's okay because right. I guarantee that another facility, a university, something like that is going to have a, a testing system or something where you can always take them there, right? Mm. You know what? You're going to do your rehab with us. I don't, yeah. have the, I don't have the equipment to test your strength, but University of Southern California does. Uh, you know, back at Delaware, University of Delaware does. We yeah. can schedule an appointment, go there and see where you're at. And, and then determine. That's what a lot of our clients do at uh, Movement Performance Institute. They just come to us with a test and that's it. Right. That I think that's a really good point because, and it's something we hit on already in this podcast is we're here to make this whole process better, right? It's not about us. It's not about what, you know, I'm specifically doing. It's me. I always tell people when they're going through the rehab process, like you, you get to choose your team. You get to build your team. And I think it is a responsibility of us as well to help them build their team. So if, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm a PT clinic and I don't have those resources, I say you can go to Movement Performance Institute, you know, if you're in Southern California, or if you have the ability to go there and get tested, like, and, and provide those kind of resources and work together in this, right? Because exactly. everybody has different passions, different knowledge, different experience. And, um, I think in the end, we all want the same thing, which is 100%. the best for these athletes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I'm with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So that's really good stuff about the actual, you know, physical therapy, what, how you can find a physical therapist. But I know one thing that I'm passionate about that you said you're passionate about too, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. this idea of risk reduction and yeah. um, 
you know, ACL prevention in youth. And uh, I want to know, is prevention the right word? Do you feel like that is something that is attainable? Um, or do you feel like for you, prevention just means bringing that number down to where it should be? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I know at least, at least in the, definitely the research forums and stuff and the PT forums, there's been a debate, what word should we use? Um, I think about it too much, like, to be honest. No, and I'm with you. Um, so this is the way I take it. It's, you know, the term prevention was used because the idea is we want to prevent the injuries. That's it. That's the, frankly, to be honest, the unobtainable goal. Yes. Right. Okay. It's, 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 it's not going to happen. We're never mm-hmm. going to stop them, but absolutely. Are we going to reduce the risk significantly? But I don't think saying the word injury prevention is necessarily wrong. Also, imagine you go to a group of parents or coaches and here, we're going to introduce this injury risk reduction program for you guys. Like they're right over there to hear that eyes are glazing. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's about your audience too. Right. Mm-hmm. For more professional people, risk reduction is the proper term. Um, but, you know, the, the end goal is there's there's exercises and programs and things that can be done to help keep athletes healthy and to reduce their risk of injury. However, you can get that message out in an ethical way. Um, that's the most important. Right. Right. So prevention is what sells for that. Right. That player, that parent. Let's do it. Right. Right. As long as you're not promising prevention. That's one thing I do say. I do say, don't come out there and say, I will guarantee you will never have an injury because that's, that's, that's wrong too. Right. Like you need, they need to be under, under, they need to understand the risk they're taking playing a sport. Right. Yeah. Um, Injuries are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm all about, I I get, I get why there's the debate, but I just say, look, whatever's going to help get that person to buy in. Okay. That's where I'm going next. Why? We know so much. Mm -hmm. Why are people not bought in? How do we get people to buy in? Mm -hmm. So uh, my voice went up because passion. I'm with you. I'm with you. And you know what? Um, I'm kind of in that, I'm right in that phase where I'm, I'm becoming more aware of why it doesn't happen. Mm. And I'm still learning on how to make it. Okay. Help people buy in more. So I've actually just started my own PT practice my own business. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so one thing I'm realizing is that I understand the PT aspect of things, but my business, my marketing aspect is it needs a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's two different it, two different ways of thinking. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but getting buy-in is it's it's marketing. How are mm-hmm. you marketing to people? How are you speaking to your audience? Right. If I'm talking to another PT, my lingo, the way I talk, I can get, I can have great conversations, <laughs> yeah. patients, right? But I talk to a, a patient, I talk to a parent, I'm talking to a client, um, especially one who's not injured, who I'm yeah. trying to convince they, they, they should be involved in this process. Um, my, my sales pitch has to be very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to speak to them more, right? Um, I'm working with a club, um, Beach FC out here in California. Yeah, I know Beach. Um, we, um, we, we've kind of started this process of getting them involved in this injury prevention program. Obviously coronavirus has really stalled a lot of this. Um, we were like, right as we were taking off, like boom, it, the coronavirus hit. So it kind of stalled a lot of things. Um, but they had, they had the reason that we were able to create a relationship was they had a need. They had a, they had a big spike in injuries. Mm. Um, and so it was kind of like, you know, the opportunist, that was my time to swipe in. Right. I, yeah. I, I, came in and said, totally. Hey, there's an issue. We need to address it. So that was the buy-in there. They needed help. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where I came in and helped. Um, so it's, it, that was just an opportunity. I said, this is an easy opportunity to come in and help these people because they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think the number one thing is it's, and I don't have an answer for this. Right. Really, it's I'm still learning it. Yeah. But I think it's if we if we're clinicians or professionals who are talking in clinician lingo, um, totally, we're doing something wrong. You have to meet them where they're at, and you have to come at them with you know not every club is going to be in that same need, but exactly. we have to convince them that by doing this injury prevention work, by doing you know, and it's not a lot. It's mm-hmm. not a lot by doing this and committing to this on all levels. That's athlete, family, coach, administrate. It's, mm-hmm. it's all levels mm-hmm. by committing to it. You're not only significantly reducing, reducing your risk of injury. You're also becoming stronger. You're improving your performance, improving your performance. And that's, that's where it. I'm like, wow, we've got this, this two headed monster, right? We yeah. can do both of these things. Absolutely. What are those numbers? You know, I, I've done a lot of work in those numbers, but you, you're studying this a lot closer than me. Can you give sure. people some more information on what, you know, pre- prevention programs and how much they've proven to reduce injury and improve performance? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, a lot of the ones that are like one of the ones that are studied most, most, uh, in, in, most closely has been the 11 plus program, mm-hmm. uh, the PEP program, things like that. Um, simple implementation of this. And a lot of this is just going through like, a one-time round with coaches or something like that and have them do it two to three times a week has shown reduction of more than 50% of injuries, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes some of those numbers jump to like 80%. Right. Um, There's like a recent systematic review that kind of showed those numbers, like just simple implementation of some type of injury prevention or injury risk reduction program reduces risk of injury by 60%. And Here's the other important part, which doesn't always get talked about because sometimes it's very black and white, like, okay, mm-hmm. like injury prevent. It's, I didn't get injured. I did get injured. Right. right. Um, but that same study looked at the length of injury time. Right. Okay. So there was the people who were getting injured. Um, even if they got injured, the length of time that they were out was actually significantly reduced. Huh. Right. So, so these numbers weren't just simply, you know, I got injured or not injured. It was, they were, if they were getting injured, it was typically more minor injuries that they could recover from a lot quicker for as opposed to a major injury. Right. Um, so I think those two timelines matter. It's that these, in, these injury reduction, risk reduction programs are not only helping reduce the number of overall injuries, but they're reducing the, the, the number of major injuries, and they're also reducing the amount of time athletes are kept off the field. Do you – and you might know this, you might not. Do you feel like that's because you're – improving body awareness, improving, you know, one of the things I didn't really know about my body until I got injured was what my glute med was, how to engage my hamstrings, what my deficits were, you know, like I was unaware of really, you know, I knew when I was sore, but I didn't know how to activate those muscles. So by implementing these programs, you're teaching that body awareness. Mm -hmm. So then when you're going through rehab, you already you have groundwork. You, you've mm-hmm. figured out what that is already. Yeah. And, and I think that has a big part to do with it. So mm-hmm. a lot of times you know, you, the term activation or muscle priming gets used a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, the basics of it is that like, think of, uh, and this is how like a dynamic warmup became very popular. It used to be static stretching, but the shift uh, went from kind of just regular stretching to using a dynamic warmup. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I'm kind of putting a few ideas together here, just kind of with my thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, but you know, muscle priming, activate, whatever terms, you know, you want on your dynamic warm up. Um, all they're doing is they're, you're really priming the brain, 
right? Mm. It, you're increasing the brain's awareness of the body, right? Um, and when that happens, it's that, you know, if the brain is active, the brain is much more likely going to use these muscles uh, during an activity, right? Right. Um, and I think that has a big part to do with it. But I, it, and I think that's how these injury risk reduction programs are going. You're just, you're, you're, you're priming these certain muscles much more specifically, um, where maybe in a typical soccer warm-up, basketball warm-up, it's, it may happen by chance, but you're not really, yeah. none of the warm-ups are focused into it. Right. While with these specific programs, they're just a little more, they're a little more focused into kicking in set muscles. Yeah. You know, I, I know we're going to get along and like, we'll probably be talking for a long time is because I really appreciate the physical therapy community and the people that, you know, your livelihood is based on people that, you know, are recovering from injuries Yep. yet you are so focused on not on doing this prevention work and really implementing this prevention work. So people never have to experience that. Right. You know, I think about a team and, you know, with those numbers that you just gave a team of 20 players, say that, say it's a girl's team at beach, 20 players, 10 of them tear their ACL. That's their numbers right now. Mm -hmm. If you implement this program that goes down to three, that's 60% decrease. I mean, sorry, four. It goes down to four. Mm-hmm. right? That is incredible. Yeah. The amount of lives. And it's not just, it's not just in the moment. It's your life. Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking about arthritis when you get older, you're talking about a major surgery. You're talking yeah. about the potential of, you know, what comes with surgery. You are changing lives. And that is like, it's worth fighting for. And it's worth, 100%. you know, and I really, I want to thank you. And I appreciate that like you're invested in it and that really oh, means a lot that. thanks yeah yeah really yeah. means a lot oh yeah it's something it's uh i uh i don't know have you ever talked to or met uh his name's Irwin. he's out he's out of uh he's out of new york um, no. he's a pt out there um he, there's Sounds something like he I need to, though. yeah i think he'd be a good guy to talk to um um but uh he had one post he made um and it, this is a long this must have been a couple years ago but it, it stuck with me um and it was just something he said like my goal is to make my fresh profession obsolete. Mm. And I heard that and I was like, yes, like that's like, that should be the goal. The goal is yes. that we got to do everything we can. Like it's never going to happen. We're going to be busy. Right. But our goal should be that we got to do everything we can to keep people healthy and not having to come into us with an injury, but mm-hmm. to give them the tools to make sure that they can take care of themselves. Yeah. It's education. Um, it's yeah. awareness. It's these programs. I, I love that. And sounds like Erwin's a guy that I need to chat with as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool to, to chat with you, Shiraj. And there's so many things that like, I know people are going to really appreciate hearing from you. Is there anything else that you feel like we didn't, we didn't hit on that needs to be d- chatted about before I, I let you go and get on with your day. I know you've got a busy day of PT ahead of you. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like we could do this for a couple hours, mm-hmm. you know? Um, no, I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I think it's great what the ACL uh, club is doing. Um, I discovered you guys kind of late after I've had it. And I think just the fact that there's this outreach that just simply goes beyond science, obviously you're implementing that, but you're, yeah. you're taking that, emotional aspect that sometimes gets forgotten in in medicine um and actually like making sure that 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 message of hey these are people going through like traumatic experiences and not everybody's going on the same path and uh i think just seeing all the stories you guys post and 
the people that come on. I, I, I love it. I think it's great. Oh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I got a chance to be on this and uh, to talk to you. So I appreciate it. Thank you, you so me. much. Uh, you know, when you had said that, you know, my, our goal is to make our job obsolete. That, that was my, you know, the ACL club, I have two goals. One is to, you know, reduce the risk of this happening. It's an epidemic and we have mm-hmm. to change it. it we mm-hmm. have to. And two is to give people this, you know, we don't choose to be a part of this and I don't want people to join the club, hence the other part, my other goal. Mm-hmm. But, but I understand that injuries are going to happen and I understand that not everybody's going to understand what you're going through. So if we can provide people and resources and build a team like you and other PTs and other doctors who really get it, if we can provide that to people that, um, you know, if I can help one person never go through what I went through, I feel like, all right, hundred percent, it's working. I'm with you hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, so the last thing I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, and I know you have a few scars now after talking to you, uh-huh. is I want to know, uh, the podcast is called Show Your Scars. So I want to know when you look at your scars, what do your scars mean to you? Um, I'd say that my meaning of my scars has evolved over time, right? I'd say that it used to be something that I used to say like, hey, like, you know, I've had a knee injury, like, you know, um, be careful with this or, Hey, I need to be careful how I do different things. But I think over the past five, six years, like I, tr- I just tell like tell people like when they see my scars, I'm like, yeah, I'm bionic now. Like, and so I just say it's, it makes you stronger, right? It makes you push harder. You've been through uh, my, the crap. I won't yeah, I'll watch my language. Right. <laughs> so you, you've been through something like that. Like you, yeah. you always come out a little stronger for it. I love that. You, you believe what you tell yourself. And I like that you're bionic. I like it. Uh, Shiraj, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. So much good information there by Shiraj. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation and learned something, picked something up new. I know that I did. I want to thank Shiraj again for his time and for his passion to continue to make this process better, both on the physical side and the mental side. If you guys have someone that you want to be on the podcast, well, let me know. You can reach me at the ACL Club on Instagram. But also, if you can go and rate and review this podcast, that really helps other people who are in need of this information find it. The more rates and reviews we get, the better. Um, Again, I said it on the podcast. I'll say it again. It's not about me. It's not about this podcast. It's about who we can help. So your review honestly can help one person see it. And if you do that, just imagine the feeling that you can get, the reward you get for doing that. So thank you so much. And go out there and show your scars with pride.